Hey, everybody. It's your pal, Jay Stone, and we're back with another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We're up to episode 54, and before we get into that, I just wanted to say thanks again to everybody who has listened to uh, one or 53 or any number in between of our previous episodes. It's been a fun project over the last couple of years, and we're just going to keep rolling with it. We've got a bunch of interesting guests coming up um, for later this month and next month, and we're just going to keep the train rolling. Um, we've also, as you may know, got some fun things coming on the dying scene front, lots and lots and lots of announcements coming. If you have not, uh, followed us on Instagram or Facebook, or I guess Twitter at dying scene, just search for dying scene on those places. You'll find us. Um, we've teased out a little bit of what we've got going on. The website is being rebuilt. There is a Patreon page that's being launched. Uh, if you want input on how to join the team or, what you would like to see from us for content or what you would like from a Patreon page, uh, you can chime in on any of those platforms. We're happy to hear from you. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I promise you it's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, it's episode 54 of both laugh. And this is a little bit of a crossover episode. Uh, we teamed up with our friends uh, over at Mabel syndrome, whom hopefully you're following on all of the normal social media and podcast platforms. And if you're not, pause this episode and go do that now they're on instagram they're on facebook uh they're on i'm assuming they're on twitter and they're available wherever you can find podcasts uh mabel syndrome is run by Kristen and jessica whom i have known for years since before their mabel syndrome days um they launched a really cool project uh known now as mabel syndrome it's probably six or seven years ago and they built a community that is really um geared towards women in the punk rock scene because they are out there, dudes. Um, it's not just a bros club anymore, nor, nor has it really ever been. But they're doing a lot of work to um, to sort of carry the flag for the women of the punk scene um, and to make sure that those voices are heard and seen. Uh, and in regard to that, what we have teamed up for for the month of March, which is Women's History Month, is a photo project. There's a lot of really great female photographers out there that um and there's a lot of really great female artists obviously in the punk scene and so we're going to combine the two uh i'll let Kristen tell you more about it in the episode um, but it's episode 54 it's with Kristen from mabel syndrome make sure you check them out and make sure that you're following us as i said repeatedly on instagram because this is going to be uh it's going to be a really fun project it'll run the entire month of march and frankly we may have more material uh, than we have space for, so we'll have to come up with something cool to do after the month of March is over. But for now, uh, episode 54. All right, so uh, by way of introduction, let's just jump right in. Um, it's episode 54, both laugh, the dying scene quarantine chat show, uh, and this episode is a crossover episode, um, sort of like when the uh, Power Rangers were on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or maybe more accurately in this case, when Urkel was on Full House meeting with Stephanie Tanner. I am, yeah. a, dor I am a dork for those references, uh, and I hope that you don't remember them. Um, that's because we are joined uh, this week by Kristen from Mabel Syndrome. Kristen, say hi to the listener or listeners. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, I've been on your show twice now, I think, officially. Uh, the first one was episode three. And according to Facebook memories, 
that was five years ago today that it went live, wow. which is wild. Uh, and here you, like, not and here you are. Yes, but we're one of the first. Exactly. <laughs> That was sort of going to be my tagline for a while. I'm not the best <laughs> podcast, but I'm a podcast. Right. I've been out there for a while. been doing it's, it regardless. Yeah, you're up to, by my count, I think Blake from Jawbreaker was number 98 or something like that. Oh, nice. Do you have, do you keep a list? No. I, I keep, I keep a list. Yeah. I, of mine, not yours, but I just kind of scrolled through the podcast page. And if my math is correct, which is suspect at best, I think Blake was like episode 98. That means we're coming up on a hundred, which is yeah. Awesome. That means you have to do something special. <laughs> Maybe this will be it because I already have ninety nine in the in the books. Okay. So then this would be one hundred. I don't know if this is counts. This is my show. <laughs> <laughs> have you been on other podcasts? I should probably know this, but it's weird being on the other side, isn't it? It is weird being on the. Yeah. It's so fun because I don't. I didn't have to prep. I could just like come on and chat with my bud. So it's, it's yeah. Awesome. And this is a weird one to prep for because we've known each other for years now. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know what's like an official story and what's an unofficial story and what right. I should talk about it. Like it's sometimes it's harder to prep for an interview when you know a person. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes I'm like whispering things at a show, like don't tell anyone. So yeah. Yeah. yeah you never know. Can you believe that you're up to almost a hundred episodes? Well, we'll back up. Let's, so let's give the people a little introduction to Mabel syndrome and what it is. It's, it's, it's a really cool website. It's a really cool podcast and it has kind of grown into this really awesome community, but uh, give the people sort of the background of when Mabel started. Sure. Yeah. So about six years ago, six or seven years ago, uh, I was thinking about how I was one of the only women that I knew that really loved punk rock music and that was still going to shows. And I was going to a lot of shows by myself. Um, when one of my favorite bands was coming into town, I would just go by myself. I'd kind of come late and leave early and, you know, duck out the side door and didn't know anybody. Uh, and I decided that I wanted to find other women that were interested in punk rock. And um, I was thinking about who I knew and you're in the face-to-face -face group on oh, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, which and I before that on the old message boards on whatever server they were. MySpace yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jessica was on there and she was just, she was smart. She knew what she was talking about. She was a diehard fan of face-to-face -face, and so am I. And she just seemed like the right person to reach out. And I said, I don't, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to do something for women and something to highlight women in the punk rock scene. And, and she was like, sure, sign me up. So together from day one, we, we set out to kind of do two, two things. Um, one is that I had this thought that women could do more interviews and have a bigger voice in the scene. So write blogs about music, interview our favorite bands, um, that kind of stuff. And then I also wanted to create a community. So there is a, a Facebook community for specifically for women. Um, and I think we have 600, 700 members now, which is awesome. And they're women from around the world. And the idea is that we all have this in common and we can go to shows together. We can help each other. We can support each other. Um, so yeah, so Mabel is the voice of women. Um, and it's for any, any individual who understands why that might be important. Right. So. And it is important. And, and I think because we, we've 
talked before Mabel was a thing officially. Yeah. And, and I think it dawned on me at the time that there wasn't that sort of thing out there, that there wasn't. I mean, there's certainly dying scene in the earlier days, especially there's only like three of us now. Uh, but that is going to change, uh, hopefully this summer. Um, but in the early days, dying scene had a lot of um, women writers and editors. and and uh, But there was never really a women specific place for people to, or, or that was centered on women. Cause we might've had a lot of women on the team, but you know, it's guys like me that run dying scene basically, right? It's like yeah. guys that are now in their early or mid forties. Uh, and, and we're a very narrow subgroup, a big subgroup in the punk rock scene, but <clears throat> we're not the only, um, we're not the only voice. So it, it was a really cool idea when I first heard you talk about it and I'm like, Oh my God, why is that not a thing already? Right, right. And thank you. I do have to say thank you for that because there were there were a lot of questions getting started. It's it's not just jumping into it. I, like I said, I was always the person that would come in late to the punk rock show, sing along to my favorite band and then kind of quietly leave. I never met a band. I didn't know anybody in the scene. And meeting you was so helpful because you would you would say, oh, yeah, reach out to this person or you should check out that person. And, and you really believed in us from day one. And, and so thank you for that. It was that was a huge help. And I'll, I'll never forget something you said to me. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, before, well, before it's time, I somebody had said something like, well, why do women need their own thing in punk rock? It should be inclusive. And I, I said that to you. I was like why doing and he's and you said it's kind of like the all lives matter thing right like that's like saying all lives matter and so it, it, and I'll never yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah women's voices do matter and do do count and we should have a place where that's important and highlighted and so um you know obviously totally different scale totally different thing but it just it helped put that in in perspective for me and I'll never be able to thank you enough for doing that. It's it's funny. The other thing that I saw on my Facebook uh, memories, see, sometimes Facebook can have good memories. Uh, the other thing that came up today, obviously, it reminded me that I was on uh, the Dave, who's the original head honcho and founder of Dying Scene. He and I were on Mabel Syndrome five years ago. But another thing that I posted was uh, because obviously February 28th is the last day of Black History Month. And people in the suburbs, right? Sometimes like to say, well, when's white history month? And well, the, it's like saying to me, that was like, it was always like saying, where are the, how come we don't have non-handicapped parking spots? It's like, how come we have handicapped parking spots, but not non, like where are the non-handicapped only ones? It's, that's the rest of the fucking parking lot. Whole thing. <laughs> like, right. So, so it's sort of, I mean, it's weird to mix analogies like that. I know, but it's the same sort of concept. Like, most most websites, most zines that you read back in the day, most record labels, most bands, frankly, or at least the loudest voices were white guys like me for the most part, right? And so, so we could incorporate women, but I think to have a women-specific website was pretty awesome. And it was like, oh, shit, why was this never a thing before? Because it seems so obvious, right? Right. Yeah. And the community part is one of my favorite things. I mean, I'll get emails from women all over the world that say, gosh, I, you know, because of hearing from you guys and, and um, you know, I didn't think I could go to a punk rock show by myself, but I just did. And I got reinvigorated and, you know, with punk rock music and in the scene and I felt more secure or 
Um, I found another woman at, you know, there was a post the other day that's like, who's going to punk and trouble? Like, let's all meet up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that, um, that I, I love the most. How long did it take after Mabel started before you realized that that was actually happening, that there was that sort of a, a group building? Cause you guys, if I remember correctly, you came out of the gate swinging really. I mean, I think you had bomb pops as your first like episode number one of the podcast or whatever, right. uh, so, which, which is pretty cool. But how, like, when did you start to realize that you had the scene building, which may have been, obviously it happened organically, but, um, but it was also a little bit by design. Like that was sort of a goal, but when did, how long did it take before you realized it was actually happening? Well, there's two answers to that. The community, the answer about the community was we got an email from Julie in Belgium. I'll never forget. And she said that exact thing that was like, I hadn't gone to a punk rock show in five or six years. My partner doesn't like punk rock. I'm a new mom. I just didn't. And, and I related to that so much. Yeah. And she said, and I finally went to a show by myself and um, she met Lisa. She met a bunch of other women. And I was like, this is why we're doing this. And that was in the, one of the very first months of Mabel syndrome. And so that felt amazing. And then in terms of getting interviews and kind of having a voice in that regard, yeah, we came out swinging. We just, we asked, and this is something I'll never forget too. We um, asked Jesse Michaels of Operation Ivy and I couldn't find an, a video or an audio interview with him anywhere. And so, but I just asked and I said, hey, we're women doing this. We have yeah, yeah, yeah. three or four episodes in the bank, but you want to take a chance on us? And he said, yeah, I do because in the, probably 35 years I've been doing this, not a single woman has ever asked me. Yeah, yeah. Said, oh, so yeah, I want to do this with you guys. And um, so that's when we knew like we were onto something, you know, and, and that this could be really cool. And, and we got a lot more guesses than we got no's. And uh, it, you know, it, it felt really good. And then I think it just, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Did you get a lot of no's in the early days? Did you get people who didn't really understand like, what the concept was or why it was even a concept? No, but what I did get was some hesitation when I would first show up to an in-person interview because I don't particularly look punk rock. I noticed, are you wearing a <laughs> Stacey D shirt? I am wearing my Stacey I almost wore a Stacey D shirt. That's funny. I went with Bad Cop. But, well, so uh, we talked about the quarantine 15 before uh, we recorded. I have another Stacey D shirt, which is just bright yellow with bright pink letters. It says Stacey fucking D on it. And I don't think it probably fits anymore. Right. <laughs> I think I, I think that was a few sizes ago, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, God, you're going to have to edit this out. I forget what I was saying. That's all right. I forget what I even asked. Oh, I know. <laughs> Oh, the so, in, showing up to in-person interviews. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because I don't particularly look punk rock or whatever. You know, sometimes I show up to an in-person interview and I felt like people were like, oh, here we go. Another, you know, local WBZ, yeah. you know, interview that I have to do with this newspaper that knows nothing about my band, knows nothing right. about punk rock. It's just interviewing whatever band's coming to town this weekend. And so I, I got some of that. And then a few questions in. And so there, so one particular person was a little off putting at first. He was just kind of rude. And I was like, and I, but I just stuck to my guns, you know? And I was like, no, I know your band. I know you, I know punk rock and here's right. my questions and they're good questions. And in the end, he found me at the show later and apologized um, because he Interesting. Realized, yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he realized. So I think sometimes um, 
and and I noticed that people would change their tune when I when I would say things like I'm 44, I've been in punk yeah, rock yeah. for a very long time, right. and um, I know my stuff. And people would change their tune a little bit too. So it wasn't so much that I mean we did we've gotten some no's. Um, one person that I want to get on the podcast so bad is Erin Burkett. Yeah. Of, of fat records and she's yeah. turned it down a couple times so if anyone knows Aaron out there <laughs> tell her to be on our podcast um, come on Aaron I I always got the sense that she doesn't necessarily like to be right in the limelight that or doesn't like to be the focus of attention I but think I, it's I think that would be fascinating yeah 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 it would be amazing so certainly there are people that we'd love to have on that it's just not their thing or you know whatever but um but yeah we didn't we didn't get many no's early on which was amazing that is a weird thing about looking punk rock isn't it like and, and how as much as we like to pretend that punk rock is this broader thing and that it has like it's sort of tentacles everywhere like you still do get judged weirdly by the punk rock looking people for not looking punk rock right like we like to be all about uh like inclusion and whatever and not labeling people but then if somebody doesn't have liberty spikes <laughs> like then well you're not really a punk like I, I do think I think the very first interview that I showed up to do in person this years and years and years before the podcast was a thing because I told myself forever I was never going to be a podcast guy because yeah. I'm a middle-class white guy with a beard like we all have them uh <laughs> it's birthright I think but um one of the very first interviews I did I think I came from work so I was wearing like khakis and a button-down shirt and I won't say who it was with, but we sat outside a coffee shop and it was a really great conversation. And the other person looks punk rock. And I decidedly don't really, especially when I am coming from work. And so I think it was the same sort of thing that we had this good conversation, but it took a minute to sort of like break the ice. And we had known each other, but mostly social media and casually and whatever. And that was the first time really sitting down to talk. And I think that you're right. There is that little sort of label thing that if you don't if you don't have knuckle tattoos or neck tattoos or liberty spikes then you don't look punk rock so right but, but then you start to ask like good questions not look punk rock? well that's what i thought yeah <laughs> that's what i thought if we're all about bucking trends like right um, why have liberty spikes right and, and my- i understand too you know when people are on tour because we used to do more in person than both of us, um, than Zoom, which is the kind of the norm now. But um, I understand people are on tour, they're tired, they've talked to Sally from the newspaper before, and they're just over it. And so I, to- I totally get it, you know, um, there's, I've never had, knock on wood, I've never had a bad experience at all, um, interviewing anyone. So yeah, I think that's because you get it and you care, you know what I mean? Like you, you care about the subject matter because you're not just interviewing them because uh, they're on a list of people to be interviewed and to check a box. You interview them because you actually like them and you have interesting insight into, or try to get interesting insight into who they are and why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we only book people or interview people that we like, like you said, like people that we, we will stand behind that we will put up on our website. Um, and we've had to take some stuff down, you know? Um, yeah, we've had to take some a, stuff down recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it stinks, you know, but. Um, yeah, you like to think that you get one right. And then every now and then, you know, somebody <clears throat> somebody's, does something scumbaggy and you're like, well, 
<laughs> but then there's also that sort of push and pull about like, well, how scumbag, like, where's the line of scumbaggy? And then that's caused some interesting conversations recently yeah. and in the distant past. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about that on our podcast and Jessica and I are kind of on the same page that we, we are, our tune is that, you know, we'll listen, we want to take in as much information as, as we can and get kind of maybe hear both sides or hear, you know, get the full story or what, as much as we can. Uh, and then make our own personal decision, you know, about what we feel is the right thing to do. And, and everybody, everybody has their own line to draw and, and we don't judge people who have a different line, you know, Um, because you don't know where people are coming from. You don't know what information they have that I don't have. It's such a complicated thing. And I think we all have to be okay with everybody else's line. Yeah. Right. No, up to Um, a point. (laughs) I mean, I think we all have our lines and I like to think that mine are pretty, uh, liberal, which I don't use politically. I mean, I think my, my scale is pretty wide, but I do have my lines, <laughs> you know, like, like Nazis aren't ever good, you know, right. like sexual assault is bad. Like that's not a line we're going to cross, you know? Exactly. So I don't know. <clears throat> Seems such an, I, I will guarantee you that there will people like, if they hear that will be out with pitchforks. It's such a weird thing. Like so, trying to gatekeep against people. Like it's such a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it makes you not want to do it or wonder why you do it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you and I deal with the same thing with these trolls on social media. You post one really what you think is a good thing, like, you know, stand with Ukraine or something. And then you get the guy that's like, I stand with Russia. Or you, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> a weird Yeah, that's a weird you know, thing. Um down with Nazis. Well, not all of them are bad, uh, whatever it is. It's yeah, just, yeah. You know, you get these silly people on social media. Um, do you block people if they, or do you delete comments or do you just kind of leave them up there? So they look like an ass. There may be people. Well, there are a couple, I mean, I'll delete the ones that are obviously spam, like the, oh, sure. like follow us for 8 million more likes or whatever the fuck. Like I'll delete all those because I don't know, it's garbage, but by and large, I don't really delete the other ones because mm-hmm. uh, I think that sometimes if somebody makes a comment and then enough other people sort of chime in mm-hmm. and, and tell that person why they're wrong, they tend to delete their own comments. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly when people know who they are. And then they can't really hide behind the anonymity of being online anymore. Cause we don't, I mean, I feel like with Instagram, especially Twitter is a different animal, but we don't have much of a Twitter presence, uh, thankfully. Um, but I feel like with Instagram, you do, you don't really have the same sort of anonymity that you do with Twitter where you can just have a, whatever, a black dot as your avatar and have a bunch of random letters and nobody knows who you are. I feel like on Instagram, it's a little bit more, personal. And then, so you do have to take accountability for your, what you say. So I feel like most of the time, I can't think of a time I should say where I've deleted anything that somebody else wrote. We've pulled posts about bands that turns out they were sort of scummy recently. Uh, um, But yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've blocked commenters or anything like that. I haven't. There may be other people in the dying scene tree that have, but I feel like sometimes when they get attacked for having such shitty attitudes, like sometimes that shit weeds itself out. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think this is turning into me interviewing you? Sorry, yeah. but <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. But um, oh, now I forgot my question. But do you feel like 
turn, do you feel like you've met more, obviously you've met more wonderful, awesome people through punk rock and artists and that kind of thing, but have there been some that have changed, that you've changed your tune about? Like you used to really like them and then hearing about things made you change your opinion. Yeah, there've been a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, for, let's see, how long have I been doing Dying Seed now? I started, Dying Seed itself started in 2009. Uh, I think that's when Dave launched it initially. Um, I started as a reader and then started writing for the site in 2011. So there, that's, Christ, that's 11 years now. Because it was January of 2011. So that's 11 years now. In that time, I would say, I don't know, probably 95% of my interactions with people have been positive. Yeah. Um, I think that there are a growing handful. And so maybe it's now two hands full of people who I would have vouched for, for a time, mm-hmm. um, both personally and professionally. And then it turns out the more you learn about them or not even the more you learn about them in the past, but the more they reveal themselves in the present, that sort of changes your attitude about them. I think especially the last couple of years has made people go crazy mm-hmm. uh, it, or maybe not go crazy, but maybe certainly push them in a direction they might've been leaning anyway. And and I feel like a lot of weird battle lines got drawn when it came to um, vaccinations and when it came to mask wearing and when to hold shows and da, 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 da. And these really weird battle lines started to get drawn. So there are, there are some people, especially the last couple of years for reasons around that, that I've had to be like, I'm going to disengage from that person. It's not fun. It's not cool. like maybe when this blows over, um, you know, well, well, when you get a little more oxygen to your brain, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> because I mean, we all feel like we're right. Right. So even though I know that I am, but I feel like everybody thinks that they're right in every situation. Um, but yeah, there have been people both for those reasons and for before, you know, sometimes people you like, and then you, realize that all those little quirks that they had, oh, they were actually problematic and you totally just fucking missed it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and sometimes people reveal themselves months or years after you meet them. So there are definitely people that I won't, let's say I won't cover anymore. There are definitely people that I, and that's not to say other people can't, but that mm-hmm. means like that's outside my purview. Now there's people that I won't talk to, won't engage with, won't, you know, that's, Again, about drawing lines, but yeah, yeah it, it's, it's always frustrating too, right? It's always, yeah. because it's always the ones you least expect, which, which is exactly why it's bad, right? Because if you expected them, you wouldn't have been friends with them in the first place. If you right. expected the, that guy's kind of a creep, you wouldn't have said, he's kind of a creep, but I love him. Like, right, right. You'd say, no, that guy's a creep. a creep. It's no surprise that he did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was never friends with him anyways. He was kind of creepy. Yeah. Most of those people, like when allegations come out about certain people, you're like, well, yeah, obviously. (laughs) But then, but then some come out, we'll use the stolen wheelchairs thing as an example. I don't mind talking about that because we, because I think that there's a lot of people who, uh, for those that don't know, just Google stolen wheelchairs is there's, you'll find plenty of information on there. Uh, But they, I thought that they were sort of a, a promising upcoming band, you know, yeah. and even if they weren't necessarily my speed musically, I think that they, uh, the younger two especially showed a lot of potential and, mm-hmm. and they were kind of like this voice for a younger, grittier punk rock generation that really, I don't think has existed in a while. Like a lot of the people that if you go to punk rock shows, 
and real like street punk shows. It's all people that are older than me for the most part, which is a weird thing. But it, it seemed like there were finally some younger kids doing that thing and carrying that flag. And even if it's not necessarily my speed, like it's, it's cool that there's that young blood out there. And then to have really just vile, disgusting behavior come out, it's like, well, <clears throat> swing and a miss on that one. <laughs> like, boy, I had high hopes for that one. But, uh, and, and who knows, maybe, you know, the individuals involved can, can have their come to Jesus moment someday, you know, I don't, hopefully well, they, they put the nail in the coffin with their apology too. You know, I think they I think always do. Don't they? they and, and, do. and that's not specific to, to stolen wheelchairs. That's of anybody that has had any sort of transgressions. The apology almost never makes it better. Right. No. It's the apology is like, wow, you misread this entirely right. and, and actually made it worse for yourself instead of better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, I think there were even a couple apologies in that one and one got taken down and then one was longer. And then it was like, I threw other people under the bus. I'm like, guys, boy, have you not been paying attention for the last two years right? right? or three years or however long that we've had this real sort of sea change, not just in our scene, but I think in the the wider spectrum in the entertainment world and whatever, like, have you not been paying attention for the last few years? Like, And, you know, it's something that I want to do more with Mabel, too. You know, my professional life is that I have a master's in counseling and I want to do more. I don't know how to say this without sounding condescending, but like helping bands when if they get in any kind of sticky situation, maybe not like we're not talking sexual assault yeah, or yeah, yeah. Right. illegal, but maybe if they get in a sticky situation, if they want a woman's perspective or opinion or like some counseling around it or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't see why Mabel couldn't kind of do a little, a little bit of that for, for people or bands too. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting because there, I mean, there are places, obviously if you have uh, drug and alcohol issues, there are places that musicians especially can go. There are places both locally to us because we're both in Massachusetts. There are places locally that people can go and sort of nationally through agencies like music cares and things like that. Um, but there is so if you have if those are your problems, right? You can you can find help for it. If your problems are more mental health related, there are there are still places you can go. Look, mm-hmm. Punk Rock Saves Lives is a cool organization that'll help point people in the right direction. But sort of those other missteps, there's not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a weird sort of area that that there isn't anything like that. You're right. And yeah. I don't even know what it would look like necessarily. Yeah, I don't, I don't totally either. And it wouldn't be me like giving therapy to yeah, yeah. Or bands or things like that. That would be out of my purview, but it would be more, um, yeah, just to consult with them maybe and, or to say, here are some resources for you, or here's what I think you might want to do. Right? Here's why what you did is wrong. And here's how to uh, look at it differently. Potentially. To yeah. Helpfully atone for it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's an interesting idea. Ways that, you know, because cancel culture, I believe, has gotten a little out of control, too. And so there, there might be some some middle ground where where there is some behavior that was bad behavior, but is but can be atoned for, like you said. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I have very I different opinions, it. I think, on. On cancel, cancel culture. culture and whether it is even a thing or even exists or whatever. Oh, it's, yeah. But to me, there's a difference between cancel culture and like consequences for being a shithead. 
Like, and so a lot of them, first off, there aren't very many people that seem to have been canceled, uh, like, like that disappeared completely. I can think of maybe a couple, and I'm not just talking about in our scene. There's a couple in our scene. Uh, but I think even wider across the entertainment industry, there aren't that many people that get canceled. Mm-hmm. There, so, I don't know. To me, that's a... I agree with you in principle. Yeah. But I think that I think that cancel culture itself probably doesn't really exist. Definitely. And there aren't many people that haven't been unduly canceled or right. given second or fifth or 87th chances. <laughs> right. That's very true. I think that it may happen a little more in our scene because there's I feel like there are less avenues out there for people to actually get their let's look at somebody like Louis C.K. or Dave Chappelle, who have both been canceled and had Netflix specials and made millions of dollars on their Netflix specials after being canceled. So did they get canceled, right? But there are other avenues for them to, whether through podcasts or through Joe Rogan or whatever, to, to sort of still talk to their audience. It might be a little different in punk rock because there aren't as many um, avenues for people to connect with people. Mm-hmm. So if there's only two or three or four main punk rock news websites or whatever that people go to to find out what's going on, and a couple of them are like, no, we're not going to talk about that band anymore, then then maybe that's a little cancel I guess. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it also doesn't happen to people that haven't earned it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, like, and, and like you said, I... I that's an interesting concept that like cancel culture doesn't even, or the canceling doesn't even really exist because it's not, it's not, we're saying you're canceled and we have control over what everyone else does. I could, I could say for, for Mabel syndrome, I don't feel comfortable representing this person or having this interview up and you might, and I totally respect that, you know, or vice versa, whatever it is. So it's not like we're saying, no one is saying everybody, a particular person is canceled. We're just saying for us, this is what we've decided. And I think because we're such a community in punk rock, we're yeah. a family and bad behavior just isn't going to be tolerated, you know, for, or, or at least gets pushed to the margins. And then I guess some of those people, but even still people can find, uh, I don't want to name names because uh, that'll get me in trouble. Uh, I almost did that talking to, I had uh, tuna from the band sweat. A hardcore oh. band out of California on the other day. And there were a couple of times where she and I both like caught each other, like might not actually say this, at least while we we're recording. But but I feel like people still find an audience. There are people who are who are way outside the purview of what I would cover or feel comfortable covering or want to give a, a voice to amplify, but um they still find a way. <laughs> they they talk amongst themselves. They have their own podcasts and whatever, and that's fine. But yeah, I don't know that cancel culture exists, but that's going to get into a way too probably philosophical <laughs> conversation. Right, right. Uh, um, who to get? Let's. I would like to keep an eye on time, just because I could. We could just shoot the shit for hours and not actually talk about the project. But before we talk about the sort of uh, Women's History Month project. To get a little back into Mabel, who was who was the first guest? Was it Jesse Michaels? You sort of touched on it already that made you go, wow, we're actually onto something here. Like, this is really cool. And do you still get those moments like 100 episodes in? I know they haven't all been interview episodes, but like 100 episodes in, do you still get those moments like, holy shit, I get to talk to 
Yeah. Blake from Jawbreaker. <laughs> Blake, I was just going to say Blake from Jawbreaker, you know, and sometimes we go, we, we have little breaks here and there, right? Because Jessica had a baby and Sarah took over for a little bit and then she had to bow out and, and, and I have a kind of a seasonal job where that's really tough in the fall. So anyways, we, we, so we kind of have these times where we've had some down times and things when you've been doing it for six years, that just happens. Right. But, right. um, and then when we come back, we do feel a sense of excitement again, you know, and then there are some guests like Blake from Jawbreaker, where it was like, oh, my God, we're talking to Blake from Jawbreaker. <laughs> right. you know? right. And he said the same thing. He, was, he said that that Adam checked the, the DM. We just sent him a DM on Instagram. And he oh, said, wow. Adam, Adam checked it, sent it to him and said, hey, you want to talk to these girls? Because <laughs> they're girl, you know, because yeah. They, yeah. He was like, you were the only people that were girls and we've never talked to girls. So we figured, yeah, we'll talk to you. It'll be an interesting experience. That's what yeah, he yeah. said. Um, well, so, especially yeah. for a band like Jawbreaker. And I feel like even for Jesse Michaels from Op Ivy, I feel like, I, th- I mean, punk rock is sort of stereotypically male anyway, but I feel like, and you talked about it, in, especially in the episode with Blake, you talked about that, like the people that love Jawbreaker are dudes. Like uh, there might be girls who like Jawbreaker and that's not to minimize that, but like the guy, the people that show up and cry at those shows in the front row and whatever it's, it's dudes. And so, and so that's been probably their experience for 30 years. Or I don't even remember when Jawbreaker started. It was because I was like four, I think, but, but but that's probably been their experience is probably talking to guys like me. And so when I, when I request, Sometimes it's like, well, why does this guy want to talk to me? Like, what am I going to, I'm just another 40 year old white guy. That's, that's probably what you've talked to for the last 25 years, but. You're completely different and you have a completely different style and you know, your shit and you're smart and everybody knows that they're going to sit down with you and have a good interview. Totally different. I hope that's the case. I like to tell myself that's the case. (laughs) <laughs> well, you should. It is a little different doing it podcast style. Like I, right. it it gives a different, it's a whole different feel, which, which is the way that you guys have been doing it forever. And I, even though, what did I say? This is episode 54 or something like that. Most of the first 140 probably of the interviews that I did were all things that I just transcribed and then wrote into stories. I like to pretend that I'm a writer. Uh, and so to not have that as an outlet anymore, is, well, it's either jump to a different website because for people that don't know, Dying Scene shot the bed a couple of years ago. It is being rebuilt at great cost and there will be more to, on that to come this summer, um, spring really. Uh, but it's a very different skill set to have a conversation with a person that you know people are just going to listen to and that you like is not only going to be heard by you while you're transcribing it and you can edit out all the uhs and ums and when you ramble and get off track, like you just cut that shit out and Nobody ever knows it happened. Uh, so it's a very different skill set to do it this way. And I'm still uh, feeling my way through it. 55 episodes and two years later. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a different skill set. It's it's fun, but you have to be you have to be on your on your toes a little bit, I think. Yeah. And we do. I cut out I cut out a good majority of our ums and our uhs. And so I say so a lot. <laughs> I, I have only very recently started cutting out things because there were a few things that got talked about that probably maybe shouldn't have been talked about necessarily where there was like future tour dates and things like that. Uh, so very rarely do I cut entire chunks out. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Because I like to have the conversation. I think that people enjoy the conversation. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so let's talk about the Women's History Month thing. So this was a really cool idea that you approached us with, and I'm happy to volunteer Dying Scene in our audience uh, as a thing, because I think it's uh, it's a really cool idea. So tell people what the idea that you, as you pitched it to me was. Yeah, awesome. Well, this was Lindsay McGuire's idea to begin with. Uh, she is- Shout out a, to Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. She is uh, photo Lindsay and then an underscore on Instagram. And she is a photographer that does portraits and all sorts of things, but she has amazing punk rock photography. And she thought it would be interesting to highlight female photographers for Women's History Month. And that's, of course, we're totally down with that. And then we thought, well, how about female photographers and, and the subject of the photos yeah, is yeah, also yeah. a woman. And we thought, double down, let's go, you know? And um, then we wanted to fill in other women photographers too, like kind of bring them into the mix. There's so many amazing ones out there. And there's actually, since you go in the photo pit a lot, would you say <laughs> it's more now than it used to be? Would you say it's one for every five like how how regular is seeing a woman in a photo pit i will say that it's probably a little more common now maybe the last uh, four or five years or so mm -hmm. i will say that the new people that i find in photo pits mostly throughout the boston area but um but even but even broader than that because i've traveled for shows at times i will say that the newer people uh tend to skew more heavily female um, which, which to me is a really cool thing because like, and I can, I can shout out any number of local male photographers and we all have sort of a crew because, you know, it's a small scene and there's like four or five of us that shoot all the same shows. So four or five times a year, we see each other in the same photo pits and whatever. And it's cool. It's a little fraternity sort of that way. But I think that the, the newer people that you see that are doing really cool things, um, photography wise tend to be women. There aren't really, in my experience, at least the last couple of years, the last, well, I say a couple of years before COVID, um, that that's been my experience is that there's more really cool female photographers but I wonder, than there were. I don't know why, but yeah, I just, I wonder if they stick with it, you know, like if they're, if they're new, because they don't because that's a good point. A lot of them don't stick with it. Right. You know, I, that that's one of the things we want to make sure is that women feel safe and supported and it doing this, doing Mabel syndrome has not been without a lot of challenges and a lot of uh, negativity and mostly from other women. And so you just, interesting. And, and we've had to develop really thick skin, you know, and, and it's, it's well, so what sort of, is it criticism or is it, like what sort of flack do you get from other women in the scene? Yeah. It, um, it could be anything like we're not diverse enough because we're two mm -hmm. cis white women mm -hmm. that run Mabel syndrome. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're not diverse enough. Um, or we don't. Uh, yeah. That that's. And, or I've gotten that one too. I, I will say. Yeah. Especially right. doing this show. I, I have tried at times to make a conscious effort to, think outside of interviewing just people that look like me and sound like me. Right. It, it, it has definitely been a blind spot for me. Mm -hmm. So. 
yeah, yeah that's that's valid well, I think if we grew up on 90s punk rock, right? Like, I mean, it, it's just what we were accustomed to. And so it's hard to break out of that bubble a little bit. Um, but we certainly try to. We've had um, we've had trans women write for us. We've had um, non-gender uh, conforming individuals on the on the podcast and also write blogs for us. And and people of color write blogs for us and be on the podcast. Like, you know, we, we try very much to to be as diverse as we feel, we, you know, we are yeah, in our yeah. hearts and, and keep it open. Um, but we've had, you know, we've had trolling from some, some women, um, some one group kind of splintered off and then they, they tell on us sometimes they told on this other group that we stole one of their merch design ideas that just, it, it was totally organic how we came up with this design. And then it kind of resembles this other one, you know, yeah, that was yeah. out before ours and they decided to like tell on us. It. It's just some childish stuff that that's gone on. And um, so, yeah, it's, you have to have really, you know, really thick skin um, to do this for sure. Um, and I forget what, where I was going with that. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't, again, I don't remember what I even asked. <laughs> oh, that's so I'm funny. such a wonderful host. Oh, women, in the, women in the photo pit. There you go. Because, because my question is, yeah, do they feel enough support? Do they feel like they're they're important enough in the scene that they're sticking with it, or are these, or is it constantly new women because they're not sticking with it? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to think back to the before times, right? Because I've I've probably only shot five or six shows really since COVID started a couple of years ago. Um, but I feel like the first, maybe what was the first show I shot? It was probably back in 2013. So I was, I mean, I was older at the time. I wasn't a young kid when I started shooting shows and I haven't been doing it for a million years, even though sometimes it feels like that when I wake up the next day, but um, there weren't very many women at all. So it's not like, in my experience anyway, it wasn't like I was in photo pits with women who sort of phased out or gave it up or whatever. It's like, I wasn't in with any at all. Right. Um, but I, I do feel like the last handful of years that that's gotten, that that's gotten better. And, and that frankly, that there haven't been many new younger guys that have gotten into it mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's the same crew of, like I said, five or six of us, especially. Um, but I feel like locally there haven't been that many new ones, which yeah. me is fine because again, how many, how many middle-class white guy points of view do you need? Like, and there are some amazing guy male photographers in this area. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's cool to see other perspectives and other points of view as well. Right. And, yeah. And sometimes, and so hopefully hopefully they feel like they're included in the scene and they feel like they're a part of it. And I feel like the guys, at least that I share photo pits with tend to be pretty good. I could have a completely wrong read about this, but I feel like the guys that I share the photo pits with and am closest with from that world are pretty positive about like pumping up the female photographers too, and sort of extolling their virtues because, yeah. because it's different. It is different. Yeah. Like the point of view is different. The, the sort of focus of um, the art is different. And so it's like, yeah, they, it is, it is very cool. And it's a very awesome thing that I feel like has legitimately been growing the last couple of years prior to COVID. So hopefully, hopefully that will continue. 
yeah. if we ever yeah. actually get back to normal or or just pretend that COVID isn't a thing anymore, which it feels yeah. like it's more That's realistic. Kind of where we're going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do have to say, I don't think Mabel would still be around if it weren't for awesome men that helped us out and supported us along the way. You being you being one of them, um, Sal being another Sal one. Sal being another one, sure. Sal's amazing. He's been a huge support of Mabel. And Danny Thompson was the first one. He's a drummer of Face to Face. And he's the first one that said, you guys should do a podcast. And we were like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> right. And he said, no, really, you know, and, and just to have somebody with some clout, with some credibility, say to us, I believe in you and I believe you can do this means a lot, you know, and we all need to do that for each other. Yeah. And I feel like to go a step beyond that, you can do this. It's almost like you should do this. Like somebody should be doing, somebody should be either carrying this flag and, Mm -hmm. and it should be somebody who knows what, who knows it and loves it. And isn't just like, nobody gets into punk rock for the paycheck. Right. <laughs> so so you have to have some sort of a passion to it, whether or not you've got forehead tattoos and shit like you have to have a passion for it. But that not just that you can do it, but that you really should be doing it. Mm, yeah. Which which, frankly, and I think if we were to ask the two other guys that I'm sort of spearheading the um, resurrection of dying scene with, that's kind of our motivation too. like mm-hmm. somebody should, yeah. because outside of. I mean, the, the landscape, the media landscape is different than it was 12 or 13 years ago when the site really started. But there does seem to be, it's the website started because there was sort of a void in original content and news around punk rock. Yeah, punk news is a thing, but it's sort of a different animal. And so since the site went away, I feel like there's a void of the sort of stuff that we used to do. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's i feel like somebody should be doing it so yeah that that's the long way of saying that uh it for the month of march what we're going to do is dying scene and mabel syndrome teaming up to focus on uh women photographers shooting women subjects which is which i would imagine because i went through just when you pitched the idea to me i said well how many women have i shot in my career and it is uh, it is a small fraction of the shows that I have actually, because if, if we were to say internally amongst dying scene that like us dudes that shoot shows, like let's put together a list of the women we've shot. A, there might be something a little creepy about that, but B it's like, it, it pales in comparison to the amount of dudes that we've shot. Like we could do, we could do for, was it no shave November or whatever, where guys grow beards? Like yeah. we could, we, we could have, we have more probably material of just dudes with beards than we right. do of like women in bands. Aside from the, the awesome, but the real popular ones, like bad cop, bad cop, the bomb pops, bands like that uh, against me, war on women. You know, like we cover the big ones, but, but it's nice to give voice to the people that, that, um, we miss because we miss an awful lot of them. There's so many, I, I don't know how else to say it except hidden gems, right? There's so yeah. many hidden gems out there that, that we want to promote. And, and these photographers too, we want to give them, you know, the, the credit that they're due. Uh, and so, yeah, I think this is going to be awesome. We're going to do a post a day. So well, we have our work cut out for us. But yeah, it, I feel like it seemed at first that a post a day, wow, that's 31 because it's a long month. And are oh, we yeah. going to, but then it's going to be like, oh shit, we're going to run out of places. Like it very, it seems very quickly to have gone from, wow, 31 seems like a lot to, oh shit, 31 might not be enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is good, yeah. which is a great problem to have. And I will tell you that I 
just the last week or so in doing this project have learned of women photographers and women bands that I had never heard of before mm. because they weren't yeah. on my radar and that you go, holy shit, they're amazing. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's really cool. And I'm glad that you uh, thought of us as a place to partner up with. It's, it's pretty cool. Of course. Yeah, no, you get it. And you're awesome. And I love dying scene and um, it just made sense. So check out, We'll do them mostly on Instagram. I don't know that we've officially talked about that part, but mostly on Instagram, right? I mean, we can yeah. certainly get into the other social media, but Instagram seems like a place for that because all the photographers have their stuff there and it sort of fits that format. So check Instagram. Uh, it's going to be really cool. It'll be for the whole month of March. And then who knows? Maybe we'll have to do a second one because we missed so many. And if we missed any, it is clearly because it was just, we didn't have enough room it's not because of like oversight or we forgot about that band it's like holy shit we're kind of getting overwhelmed with really cool photographers and and and, and musicians feel free to let us know because i think what i want to do is at the end of the month be like here's who we missed <laughs> yeah know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because there are so many and even announcing it today people were put on my radar i didn't know exactly and, and i i wish yeah i wish there were more than 31 days that we could highlight everybody but it's just um it's just more awesomeness it, out there than there are days yeah it means that we'll have to come up with a different concept for next year <laughs> right because right. cool. you'll still be doing Mabel syndrome and dying scene theoretically will be rebranded. We've paid enough money. So it should be, should have been resurrected by then. And if it's not, yeah. fucked. I want to throw out the, the Instagram handles of a couple ladies that are yeah, for sure. spearheading this. Um, so photo Lindsay. So she's at photo Lindsay and then an underscore and that's Lindsay McGuire. And then Courtney Ware is at C F H Courtney. So that's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. And then Meredith is at Meredith Goldberg Photography. And so you can follow each of them individually, but you'll be seeing their their, their photos, their artwork um, this month. Yeah, and I feel like they sort of capture a really interesting cross-section of the scene too, because they're in different places. So they they have access to different bands and different venues and, and they have different styles. So it's going to be... Totally. It's going to be really cool. So follow all of them because they're amazing. And you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> all right. Thanks for doing this. That's uh, episode 54. That's a wrap.